The Water Values Podcast, Session 23. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. Thanks for joining me. And thanks again to my son, Joey, for providing the intro and outro voiceovers. Great job, Joey. Uh, So stay tuned to the end to hear Joey's outro voiceover and has been the practice for most recent episodes. You'll also get to hear the all-important disclaimer at the end of the show. Well, I'm still in Glacier National Park and hopefully having a great time celebrating my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. So that's just background on why I'm recording this intro more than a week in advance of the actual podcast release. Today's show is the second part of my talk with Ken Mercer of the American Waterworks Association. And don't worry if you didn't hear the first part. It's not needed to understand today's podcast. Today, we discuss the AWWA's State of the Water Industry Survey. And if you listened to the previous session, you already know that Ken does a great job explaining the AWWA's surveys, their importance, and the significant benefits to utilities by participating in and reviewing the results of these surveys. Ken fills us in on the results of the State of the Water Industry Survey, which gives us a great look at how we water professionals perceive the water industry and what our feelings are about the future. This survey will be opening up soon, so please consider contributing to the water industry by participating in the survey. I'll provide a link in the show notes for you. With that said, let's get on with it. Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Now let's get on to the State of the Water Industry Survey. Can you provide a thumbnail on the survey? Sure. So it's our state of the water industry survey. And so maybe I'll turn the tables here and I'll just (laughs) throw a question to you and say, what do you think the water industry is? Uh, Well, um, I've always, the water industry, I think is a fairly broad um, set of not just the utilities, but I'd say uh, utilities, uh, regulators, um, manufacturers, consultants, um, and I think the consultants, you know, obviously there's legal engineering and financial consultants. Um, and so I think it's a fairly broad spectrum of individuals that are not only directly involved in water, but also are indirectly impacting it, you know, such as, you know, people like myself who are, who's an attorney. So uh, I think it's a fairly broad swath. That's exactly pretty much uh, when I break it down and I say that there's the, the utilities who are providing water services. So potable water, wastewater, stormwater reuse, those utilities. And that's the core of the industry. Then there's everyone else, those who provide guidance and support. And you, you pretty much named it. It was consultants, manufacturers, researchers, ed- educators. I missed researchers. Uh, <laughs> nonprofits like yeah. WWA, environmental stakeholders, and then government regulatory. That, that's pretty much the group is that that core at the at the industry, you know, at the core of the the water industry is really utilities, and so that's the focus. A lot a lot of our questions for this state of the water industry survey revolve, revolve around that, and so um, it's a survey we've been doing for just about ten years. Uh, in fact, I think it is ten years exactly, um, and it, it looks mainly again. So AWWA's focus again is mostly in North America. So a lot of the respondents the responses come from North America, but um, it's really a, a the driver of the state of the water industry is to try to capture um, significant trends, um, either ongoing or upcoming, um, and then use that data to somehow support um, 
communication. So whether you're communicating with the public at large or you're using it as a tool to communicate with rate, you know, rate, rate payers or the boards, um, making sure you've got something where you can say, well, this is really what's, what are the big issues that are driving the industry? And so uh, AWWA has been doing the survey again for almost 10 years. And um, in terms of the schedule right now, we're putting together the, uh, the actual survey questions. Um, we kind of, we're, we're in the process of vetting that with our volunteers and the staff as well. Um, and the actual survey will, will be released to the public in September. And it's open through the month of September. Uh, it closes you know, right around October 1st or so. And then we analyze the data and try to push out a report, um, usually by UMC, which is our utility management conference. So at least we've got some preliminary results we can speak to. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, we push out a full report. And then every June, uh, we publish the state of the water industry sort of summary results in our journal of the American Water Works Association. Okay, so the most recent report or full-blown survey that was released last month, or released, I should say, in June of, uh, of 2014, uh, could you walk us through kind of what the big, big picture things that are, are at the top of people's minds uh, in the water industry? Sure. And again, the survey itself is, uh, is available online, so if anyone wants to follow along, this point, I recommend you download it, and then you can read along as we're talking about it. But uh, um, the number one issue that we saw in 2014, which was the, the number one issue that we had in 2013, was the state of water and sewer infrastructure. So just that uh, the sense that there's um, aging infrastructure that needs to be replaced and that potentially uh, financial resources are not there. Um, the number two issue that we had in 2014, which was a new one, or, or new in terms of its importance, was long-term water supply availability. availability. Um, and that probably goes in some part to the drought that's been going on in North America in various parts for a while now, um, and then growth in areas where water resources are constrained. So um, those are the two big issues in terms of water supply and then the, uh, the issue of our infrastructure. Some of the other issues that come along after that are actually speak right to the state of water and sewer infrastructure. So financing for capital improvements was number three. Uh, and then this year we actually broke out um, in 2013, we had called it lack of, of public understanding of the value of water, and that was the number two issue. We tried to sort of tease out what was it that the public didn't understand <laughs> about <laughs> that. So we, we broke up the question into the public's understanding of the value of water resources and then uh, alternatively the value of water systems and services. So water resources versus water systems and services. turns out people thought they were both pretty important. They ranked number four and five on our on our five issues of 2014 so um you know a lot of those drivers are, are a lot of those issues are historical issues so state of water and sewer infrastructure you can go back through the journal awws journal you know 50 years 100 years and you'll still see people talking about that as you know historically this has just been something that um the water industry has struggled with in terms of communicating both the services that we provide how they're of value to the, to the communities that they serve and then how that's going to get paid for. And so I don't think we've connected all the dots yet, um, but hopefully we're going to, we're moving in that direction. And, and every, I think everyone's efforts from AWWAs to any of the other nonprofits to everyone who's just working in the industry is, is really trying to push that issue out so that people understand the importance of, of water and wastewater systems. In looking at the survey, it's, it's really interesting, especially when you compare 2013 to 2014. You know, you mentioned that in 2013, lack of public understanding of the value of water was the number two issue. And when you broke that out, 
public understanding of the value of water resources and the public understanding of the value of water systems and services uh, both made the top five as it related to that issue. You know, what are some of the other changes you saw from 2013 uh, to 2014? Sure. Uh, again, again, the uh, long-term water supply availability, that was a, a bigger issue. We, we kind of changed the wording on that. Uh, in 2013, we called it water supply and scarcity. Um, and we tried to, you know, parse that out in terms of now it's long-term water supply availability. So there, I, I, in looking at it, there's like, there's two big areas of, uh, of concern. There's, you know, the infrastructure issue, and then there's the resource, water resources issue, and then there's pretty much everything else. Um, and so th there are, you know, several issues that go speak directly to state of water and sewer infrastructure, whether it's cost recovery, whether it's acceptance of rates, all those things sort of feed into that sort of that financial aspects of, of, um, of infrastructure. Then there's the water resources picture. So uh, long-term water supply availability, there's groundwater management and over and overuse, which is our number six issue, watershed protection, which is number seven, uh, drought or periodic water shortages, which is number eight. So that you can kind of lump that into people are concerned about um, where their water's coming from and how sustainable that's probably going to be. And then there's everything else, which is really, then you start getting into the utility management issues of attracting talent or um, compliance with regulations. So those, sure. are, those are the three broad areas as I, I kind of couch it. Sure. Now, I, I'm, I see that in 2013, aging workforce talent attraction was number five, but that uh, plummeted a little bit in 2014. I, you know, that seems to me, that's, that's something that I hear a lot about in terms of, you know, uh, when Jimmy retires, you know, he, he's got all the locations of all the water mains and valves up in his head and we're, we're going to be in big trouble. And so uh, w w do you have any insight into why that, that fell a little bit in folks' importance? It might be part of the getting the message out of trying to capture that institutional knowledge to make sure that, you know, utilities understand that. I think that that has been a theme now for at least five years of, oh, there's going to be this big brain drain. And so hopefully people are getting their systems in, you know, getting their ducks in a row <laughs> to make sure that they are, uh, you know, they've captured that information. Part of it probably goes to the state of the economy, too, where people are working longer. Uh, maybe it's not necessarily that big of an issue where people aren't. Within our industry, there's always going to be a demand for talent, um, and, and workforce issues go along with that. But um, people may be just working longer, and it's maybe not that big of an issue. Um, it's one of those questions where you, you come away with more questions than than uh, than are answered, and, mm -hmm. and part of our job is to, to respond to that. So with next year's survey, hopefully, hopefully we can winnow in on that. But also, some of it's just for food for thought as to well, why is that? That's an interesting interesting thing. And yeah, you know, we we see that. Uh, Aging workforce and talent and attraction was number five in 2013, and it really dropped to number 12 in terms in number uh, in 2014. So it's one of those things where issues rise up as they become important, and it, a lot of it's driven by local phenomena. It's it's hard to describe, you know, some globes, global phenomena is driving these things. But I think, you know, with regards to that in particular, people are are working longer, and and they, maybe that is kind of hmm. explains part of that. Have you undertaken any effort to kind of track these um, metrics over, you know, longer time periods? You've got 10 years of data now, and uh, it'd, it'd be interesting to see kind of where these issues all rank from year to year to year so you can kind of spot trends. Um, you know, concerning the health of the water industry, it seems that from the data that people generally seem to think that in the present things are, things are going okay, but people tend to be more pessimistic when looking into the future. It's funny because 
that that trend year to year. So it, we ask uh, respondents, could you rate the health of the water industry on a scale of one to seven? And year over year, we get around 4.5 to 4.8. And there's no st statistical significance in terms of differences between those numbers. Um, it, we kind of look at it as a historical question. And we again, we've got this huge set of data now going back and we look at those trends. Part of it, I think, speaks to the resiliency of the industry, that things are just pretty good. Um, part of it goes to just the nature of that question. I think it's really broad. And people look at it and it's hard to tie sort of, you know, the global sense of the quote unquote industry to your local community's water system. And I, one of the questions we're actually going to, that's a question we're expanding on this year is, is that's great. What, that's the state of the industry. What do you, what is the state in your community? Um, and we're hoping, hopefully those scores will be better yeah. um, because I think people, they hear a lot of the doom and gloom. They hear a lot of the negativity and that sort of pervades how your what your perception is of the entire industry. Um, but when you get down into specific utilities, I think you'll get a much rosier picture. And, and people certainly, I think, have a better opinion of their own systems as opposed mm -hmm. to what you think of wherever you're sitting right now. Picture three states or, or three territory, territories over, and you have no idea really what's going on there. But you probably think it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I would speculate that you, if you think about wherever you are, pick an, a region that's totally different than yours. And you'd probably say it's not as good as ours. Well, maybe maybe if you're in the Southwest and you're a complete drought, yeah. you'll say, oh, okay, the Northeast does have a little better than us. But yeah. um, <laughs> in general, when you look in, in sort of these broad terms, I think people have a more of a negative perspective. Not to say that 4.5 out of 7 is negative, because that's the scores we've seen year after year. Um, it's more of a, one of those things where if you look at how people's perceptions of the future were going to be, where you see around 2008, 2009, there was the shift where there was people started thinking, the future is going to be more negative than it is right now. And that was the first time that we'd actually observed that trend. Um, and then part of that also goes to, if you look at the, um, we break it out in terms of the U.S. respondents versus Canadian respondents. Um, Canadians just generally have a more optimistic perspective, perhaps. <laughs> they actually see the, the future as getting better. Um, U.S. maybe is a little more pessimistic, and they consistently have seen that getting just a touch worse. But by just a touch, we're talking about the difference between 4.6 and 4.4 yeah. on a scale of 1 to 7. Statistically insignificant. Um, I, I think your your point about people thinking that their particular utility is in better shape than the industry as a whole is spot on. Uh, and I think that plays out in some of the other responses. For example, one of the responses uh, concerns utilities' financial health and deals with full cost of service. And utilities seem to think that, you know, hey, we're in better shape than everyone else. And and when I read through the uh, through the report, it was interesting to see concerns over getting that full cost of service. Uh, you know, we've talked about how political issues affect that. Do you think, you know, privatization would help? You know, my experience is that, that the investor-owned utilities are not bashful about going in and seeking rate relief, whereas you know, municipally-owned utilities, uh, that's, that's a different story. Yeah, it, when you get down into it, and I guess go, going back to the survey, what's cool about it is um, we, we divide – we have utility folks who works for who folks who work for a utility are asked a, a, an additional set of questions. So there's everyone else. Again, we go back to what is the industry? It's that core group of utilities. So utilities are asked specific questions that not everyone else gets a, a chance to respond to. And and part of that is we ask them in particular about your utility. And so that's where I think we're where we're settling on with this. And um, it's tough when you when you try to to really describe some of this stuff through a survey. It's difficult. And so obviously the the information is going to be what it is, and you can you can argue 
pro or con, whether you more you know more information would have been better. Um, in the particular topic you're talking about, about full cost of uh, cost, you know, cost recovery, that was really probably the biggest finding that came out of this report was that there were about 10% of utilities who said they were not at all able to cover the full cost and that that was going to jump up to 15% five years from now. And that's kind of a, a, a very scary number in terms of how those utilities are potentially being operated and the impacts that that, what, you know, whatever, how you want to call that operation, how that's going to impact the communities that are receiving that water. And so at the end of the day, it's really, you know, it's a, it's a service to your customers. And so it, whether that's going to drive privatization or not, I don't know. Frankly, I, I see people will always have a knee-jerk reaction against privatization. Um, and then there's always going to be horror stories where someone uh, privatized and then five years later they switched around back and they'll always, yeah. you'll, you'll continuously get that. And so, you know, from the association's perspective, there, it's whatever the community's values are. Um, and sometimes you may go down a path because you've got a hole to fill uh, and privatization may help you get through that, that tough time. And, and that's what some communities are facing. And uh, if that's the road that you have to go, then, you know, whether it's public private partnership or full on privatization or however that you want to, you want to do that, you know, you've got to respond to what your community's needs are. And if you're, if your utility has been run well, there's, probably no real reason you would need to go to privatization. I mean, a lot of utilities look at it on an ongoing basis to say, well, should we private, you know, a new, new regime comes in, the new mayor comes in and says, well, we should probably look at privatization. And so utilities will explore that on <laughs> somewhat yeah. probably a regular basis where they, they get tired of doing it. But um, I, I think in a lot of cases, they end up finding that they are doing a reasonably good job and that a switch over to privatization is, is really not in the cards for them. You know, you've said a number of, of uh, interesting things in there. I think that the 10% not being able to recover full cost of service jumping up to 15%, you know, you're right. That's very uh, and obviously very concerning. Personally, I think that goes back to the public education issue. If you can educate your public and rate payers that rate increases are needed, maybe there won't be that hesitancy to, to actually go out and raise the rates. So I think that's real important. You also mentioned uh, you know, public-private partnerships. Uh, also in the report, um, you have a question about the Water Infrastructure Finance and Innovation Authority. And as I'm sure you know, uh, some legislation was recently passed, an actual authority was not created, but the Water Infrastructure Finance and Innovation Act was, uh, was included as a section in, a, in the larger Water Resources Reform and Development Act. You know, how do you how do you think the implementation of that kind of that small kind of pilot project that is WIFIA is uh, is going to impact public private partnerships? Yeah, it's going to take time to grow. I think people are the water industry moves slowly um, with good reason. I know some people uh, sort of bemoan the state of uh, of how fast things move, but it, it moves slowly with with good reason because public health is always at the forefront of what we do, and so. Um, when you're getting into these issues of um, public-private partnerships, it's in some ways anything new is new that is potentially scary. And so as people are going to, you know, there's a, they always want someone else to go first. There's that. I used to work for a company, and their philosophy was the Burger King philosophy. That whatever McDonald's does, we'll do it second. I've kind of latched onto that. And it's one of those things where once you've demonstrated the benefits uh, that come about, you know, hopefully there are benefits for doing these things and, and they you know, are fully captured at the end of the project. Um, I think more utilities will move into it. 
with regards to WIFIA, again, it's really small. Um, our, I think the association's hopes were, are that it's, it is what it is, and, but it, it can certainly be improved. Um, there's a lot of requirements that are kind of within it where you can't um, get certain loans once you take WIFIA or, or whatever it is when you get into the specifics of it. But um, once, once people, I think, understand it and they, it's one more tool in your toolbox, um, I, I think it will it'll grow. Um, but I, I would just caution that at the forefront here in the next four or five years as people really get into it is really how the tone is going to be set. Um, and if, if there's some big um, sort of bad projects, it can certainly taint how everything's going to be moving forward. So it's one of those things where I'm sure there'll be some missteps here and there. But uh, uh, I think once once utilities really fully embrace, you know, the potential that comes through a public-private pri- public partnership, um, I, I, I think there's, there's a lot of upside. I don't know if we fully recognize what downsides there might be from those, but... Um, I'm, I'm shaking my head like yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, interesting stuff. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of great stuff in the report. So if you haven't read it, I, I think it's if you're in the water industry, it's really kind of required reading. Uh, one of the other things I thought that was interesting was the number of utilities that are kind of moving towards or at least exploring green infrastructure. Um, and I was just kind of curious if you had any any thoughts on number one. When you're when you're push, pushing the survey out, is green infrastructure defined, or, or is is that kind of left to the the eye of the beholder, so to speak? What green infrastructure is? I'm kind of curious what you're what you're seeing out there in terms of green infrastructure. In terms of what we we don't provide a full on definition of what green infrastructure is. I think a lot of what we consider would be like stormwater, however stormwater is being captured and reused, and there's some biological systems that you can go with um, that will you could you could call them green. It, I think it's just in essence, it's really that drive towards sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, and however you can you know, incorporate natural aspects into that, that would go with the green infrastructure angle. So um, more, on, more on stormwater than anything else is really where that, where that starts to, to creep in. But um, you know, a lot of utilities, you know, like our, our bread and butter is really drinking water. Um, but so many of our members and utility members specifically, they do so much more than water. They do more than half do wastewater and then stormwater becomes more and more of an issue. And so that's, um, as AWWA tries to get into that total water solutions, some people call it one water, some people, however you want to couch it, just trying to make sure that we address those needs and, and stormwater, you know, green infrastructure is, is one of those areas. It's funny. Um, we had a speaker come through, um, I'm going to not get her name, but she wrote the book, a ditch in time. And her, her response when she talked about green infrastructure is, well, here in the West, what's green? Shouldn't it be brown infrastructure? <laughs> because if it's green, it's getting water, and it probably shouldn't be getting water. Yeah. So it was more about uh, you should be doing whatever is you know whatever's prudent for your, for your actual uh, uh, your climate. So uh, it's not always the green <laughs> green infrastructure. It's probably not always you know green. But um, anyways, it's one of those things where I think utilities uh, and communities, in, in particular, are, are looking specifically at how they can become more sustainable. And green infrastructure is one of those ideas that it's easy to latch onto to say, oh, yes, we've got this natural process that's helping us. And that, right. that'll pervade, you know, not only the utility, but probably more so the public's understanding of what they do. There, there's always benefit to that. Sure. Uh, if we can circle back around, again, one of the top five issues last year was number two was public education. And two of the top five issues this year were, were kind of coming out of that. What? Uh, how do you perceive the indi- the industry's um, 
you know, efforts to, to improve that public education? What's going on to try and help public education improve about our water infrastructure and systems? And this is one of those historical issues that if you go back 80 years, there's still someone saying, why aren't we, you know, why aren't we connecting with the public about how valuable our services are? Um, it's it's really it gets down to at a local basis your, your level of communication how how you know open you are with what you're doing and in large part it really falls on the shoulders of the local utility to make a connection with their ratepayers. Um, you're reaching out to schools wherever you can, community events. It it really becomes just a local touch kind of situation, and uh, the more local touches you can make, the more the more educated because at the end of the day, local is completely or water is completely local and um as, as much people as people want to you know try to elevate it it's whatever stature is the people who are actually being impacted by it are your neighbors you know it's the people you look across the street at and uh if, if they understand it i mean frankly if i if you ask me what my neighbor thought about water they'd probably just shrug just because i haven't gone over and given them a full you know full, full core press about that so but i i just encourage everyone who's listening when was the last time you spoke to anyone about the value of water? You know, whether it was your kids or your parents or the neighbor, you know, neighbor or someone you rode on the bus with, it's something where you just have to be actively doing it all the time. And you can look at a few examples of, uh, uh, of people who do that, like Hawkins at DC water, like he's always wearing his shirt and he's always pushing the message. When you get down to it, it you really need to be doing it almost 24 seven to let people know, um, water is really that important. And at the end of the day, it, it's one of the, it, it should be really easy though, because water really is that important. It's such an easy thing to get behind. I mean, it, it literally connect. Everyone is connected by their water system. It's it's the you know, everyone touches water multiple times a day, and when people lose sight of that, that's a shame because you you lose sight of you know the whole structure of what communities are based on. So, Ken, you've done an absolutely fantastic job walking us through all the issues and the different uh, information that you're collecting and analyzing and pushing out there for the public to consume in the, uh, in the, in the reports you've identified. Can you tell us, uh, for folks who want to hear more about it, where folks can go to find out about these reports and surveys that you're preparing and also where they can go to find out more about the AWWA? Sure. So AWWA has got a great online presence. Uh, it's awwa.org. Um, and right from that, that landing page, you know, if there's in the search engine, if you're looking for state of the water industry, Type that in, you can find it. Uh, that report's available for free. Um, the uh, benchmarking reports uh, are available for purchase through our library for our, our bookstore, which is I think now we just call it a store. Um, but it is a, all this stuff is, is available through our website, and we've also got um, several resource communities which are available free to the public. Um, and all those do is um, they they accumulate the knowledge around specific topics, so asset management or uh, water shortage and water shortages and drought or uh, climate change. Um, they're called resources, resource communities, and it's they're they're free. They're just it's a ton of of publicly available information through our website. So um, we're constantly trying to respond to the needs of the industry. You know, we're a gap organi- or a bridge organization. Um, we try to bring together uh, researchers, utility folks, uh, consultants, lawyers. I'm looking at you, lawyers. <laughs> uh, it, it, that's, that's the great thing about AWWA. It's, it's the best job in the world. I mean, all we do is good stuff. We just try to, to get people to get together and, and uh, solve their problems. And uh, it, everything revolves around our website. So if you're trying to find a connection within our organization, um, the website is a great, great, great spot, awwa.org. 
Terrific. Well, Ken, thanks again for taking the time to, to speak with us. Really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. You bet. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ken Mercer of the AWWA. Great guy, and as I said last week, he was very generous with his time. So here are my key takeaways. First, the water industry is made up of all the water, wastewater, and stormwater utilities that are out there. And also a broad chunk of people, probably just like you and me, people who are in some way involved with water, whether it's being a lawyer, engineer, or financial representative, or a manufacturer, or regulator, or educator. The list goes on, and it just goes to show how big this industry really is. Second takeaway concerns how important public education is about water. It's the whole reason I started this podcast. Two of the top five areas of concern in the survey involve public education about water. That more education is needed shouldn't be news, especially after L.A. water usage increased, even after pleas to reduce consumption amidst the California drought. And recent research has shown that not only is the surface water going dry in the western U.S., the groundwater is getting depleted quickly as well. So ask yourself what you can do to help get the word out about water and be a good example to others in your own water usage. My final takeaway is that we all seem to have a negative perception of the future concerning water utilities. At least that's what the results of the survey show. We also tend to think that things are okay in our own water system and that it's really the, our neighboring water systems and the water systems a few, few hundred miles over or a few states over that are the ones that are having problems. Well, that's just not the case in most circumstances. Every utility can improve, and it's up to us to think globally and act locally, as the saying goes. If we can collectively work to make our own water systems better, eventually we'll get to the point where we'll start being more positive about our water systems and start to change those negative perceptions about the future. Well, you can check out the show notes for this session at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 23. And please don't be bashful in letting me know what interested you about the interview by leaving a comment on the show notes or by emailing me at david at thewatervalues.com. You can also tweet at me at DTM1993. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast directories. And don't forget to tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast and to sign up for the Water Values newsletter, which can be done at thewatervalues.com. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource. So please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning into the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Colorado and Indiana, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. And information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.